This is a reading of the book by Rudolf Steiner entitled Anthroposophical Guidelines, also translated as Anthroposophical Leading Thoughts. This is uh, part 12. I am on page 91 of the e-book, beginning with the subsection entitled Human Freedom and the Age of Michael. In the human capacity for memory lies the personal image of a cosmic force which has affected humanity in the way described in the previous contemplation. This cosmic force is still active, however. It acts as a force for growth, as a vivifying impulse in the background of human life. It is mostly active there. Only a smaller portion is set aside to act on the consciousness soul. There it acts as a force for remembrance. It is necessary to see this remembrance force in the right light. When, in the present epoch of cosmic evolution, man perceives with the senses, this perception is a momentary illumination of world pictures in his consciousness. The illumination comes when the senses are directed toward the outer world. It illumines consciousness. It disappears when the senses are no longer directed toward the outer world. This illumination in the human mind must not have duration. For if it did, man could not remove it from his consciousness quickly enough. He would lose himself in the quantity of his consciousness contents. He would no longer be himself. Only for a short time, in the so-called after-images, which so interested Goethe, may the illumination by perception last in consciousness. Nor may this consciousness content solidify into being. It must remain pictorial. It may become as little real as the image in a mirror can become real. Mad would lose himself in something that lived fully in his consciousness as reality, as much as he would in something that had duration of its own. He could not be himself in that case either. The perception by the senses of the outer world is an inner painting by the human soul, a painting without material substance, a painting in spiritual becoming and spiritual elapsing. Just as a rainbow comes into being, then disappears without leaving a trace, a perception comes into being and disappears without it leaving by its own nature a memory behind. But at the same time, with every perception, something else happens between the human soul and the outer world, one which lies in a more concealed part of the soul, where the forces of growth, where the life impulses act. In this part of the soul, 
Not only a fleeting image is engraved by perception, but an enduring real one. Man can endure this, for it is coherent with his being as content of the world. When this happens, he can no more lose himself as when he grows and nourishes himself without full consciousness. When man retrieves his memories from within, it is an inner perception of what remained in this second process of perception of the outer world. Once again the soul paints a picture, but now he paints the living events contained in his own inner being. Again no lasting reality may remain in his consciousness, but only the forming and vanishing of a picture. In this way, the thoughts formed through perception and remembering them are connected to the human soul, in the human soul. But the remembrance forces continually strive to be more than they can be if man is not to lose himself as a self-conscious being. For the remembrance forces are the remains of past human evolution, and as such come into the sphere of Lucifer's power. Lucifer strives to solidify the outer world's impressions in the human being to the extent that they continually illumine as thoughts in his consciousness. This Luciferic striving would be crowned with success if the Michael force did not counteract it. This latter force does not allow what has been painted with inner light to solidify into being, but maintains it as emerging and disappearing pictures. However, the excessive force which is pressured out of the human being by Lucifer will be transformed into imaginative force during the Michael age. For the force of imagination will gradually enter into the general intellectual human consciousness, but this will not burden humanity with enduring realities in its present consciousness, which will continue to act with emerging and disappearing images. With his imaginations he will tower above in a higher spiritual world, just as he delves down into his true humanity through his memories. Man does not retain the imaginations within him. They are recorded in the cosmos, from whence he is always able to copy them into his picture thinking. In this way, what Michael safeguards from solidifying in man's inner life is absorbed by the spiritual world. What humanity experiences through the forces of conscious imagining becomes at the same time a content of that world. That this can happen is a result of the mystery of Golgotha. The Christ force impregnates human imagination into the cosmos. The Christ force 
that is conjoined with the earth. As long as it was not conjoined with the earth, but acted on the earth from without as solar force, the growth and life impulses entered into humanity's inner being. Man was formed and preserved from out the cosmos. Since the Christ impulse lives in the earth, man is being returned to the cosmos in his self-consciousness. Humanity, originally a cosmic being, became an earthly being. He is therefore disposed to become a cosmic being once again, once he has become himself as an earthly being. In this fact that man, in his momentary conceptions or mental pictures, does not live in being but only in a reflection of being, in a picture being, lies the possibility of achieving freedom. All being in consciousness is coercive. Only the image cannot coerce. If something happens due to the influence of its impression, it must happen independently of it. Man becomes free by elevating himself by his consciousness soul out of being and emerging in the non-being of picture consciousness. Thereby, an important question arises. Does man lose his own being by leaving a part of his essence and plunging into non-being? This is again a point where one stands before a great riddle when contemplating the world. What is experienced in the consciousness of a representation or mental picture arises out of the cosmos. In respect to this cosmos, man plunges into non-being. He frees himself in his representations from all cosmic forces. He paints the cosmos while outside it. If it were only so, freedom would flash up for a cosmic instant in the human being, but in the same instant he would melt away as a human essence. However, because he becomes free of the cosmos in his representations, in his unconscious mind he is connected to his previous earth lives and the lives between death and a new birth. As a conscious individual he is in a picture existence and he remains in his unconscious mind in spiritual reality. While he experiences freedom in his present I, his past I keeps his being intact. In respect to being, in his representations man is completely devoted to what he has become through the cosmic and earthly past existence. This indicates the abyss of the nothing over which man leaps in human evolution when he becomes a free being. Michael's activity and the Christ impulse make the leap possible. From the Gertianum, January 1925. Guideline number 162. In his representations, mental pictures, 
Man does not live with his consciousness in being, but in pictorial being, in non-being. He is, thereby, freed from mutual experience with the cosmos. Images do not coerce. Only being coerces. Number 163. In the moment of such a representation or mental picture, man is connected with the world's being only by what he has become from the past. His previous earth lives and his lives between death and a new birth and new birth. Number 164. This cosmic leap over non-being can only be accomplished through Michael's activity and the Christ impulse. Subsection, entitled, Man as a Thinking and Remembering Being. With his representations, thinking, and the experiencing of memories, man finds himself within the physical world. However, no matter where he looks with his senses in the physical world, nowhere does he find what gives him the strength to form mental pictures, representations, and to remember. Self-consciousness appears in thinking. This is, in the sense of our previous considerations, an acquisition which man has from the earth forces. But these earthly forces remain hidden to the senses. In earthly life, man thinks about what the senses impart. But the force to think does not come from what he thinks about in this way. <clears throat> Where does this earthly force come from which forms the mental pictures, thinking, and the memory pictures? It is found when one looks back with spiritual vision at what man brings with him from previous earth lives. Normal consciousness does not know this. It lives in humanity unconsciously at first. It manifests itself when, after his spiritual existence, man comes to earth, where he is instantly connected to the earthly forces which do not fall within the realm of sense observation and thinking. Man is not in this realm with representations thinking, but with the will, which acts in accordance with destiny. In this respect, one may speak of the forces contained in the earth, which fall outside the realm of the senses as the, quote, spiritual earth, close quote, the opposite pole to the physical one. It, therefore, follows that man lives in and with the spiritual earth as a willing being, and that as a representing thinking one, although he is within the physical earth, as such he does not live with it. As a thinking being man carries forces from the spirit world into the physical one, but he remains a spirit being with these forces, who only appears in the physical world, but does not enter into commonality with it. The representing, thinking human being 
has commonality only with the spiritual earth during his earthly sojourn. And it is from this commonality that his self-consciousness matures. It is therefore thanks to spiritual processes during earthly life that self-consciousness appears. If these processes are observed with spiritual vision, one envisions the human eye. One comes to the realm of the human astral body via the experience of remembrance. By remembering, not merely the results of previous earth lives stream into the present I, which is the case with representation thinking, but forces from the spiritual world, which one experiences between death and a new birth, stream into man's inner being. This streaming is directed to the astral body. Within the physical earth, there is no place for the direct reception of these in-streaming forces. As a being who remembers, man cannot unite with the things and events that he perceives with his senses, just as he is unable to unite with them as a thinking being. But he does achieve commonality with what transforms the physical into processes and events although it is not physical itself. These are the rhythmical processes in nature and man. Day and night alternate rhythmically in nature. The seasons follow each other rhythmically, and so on. In humans, breathing and blood circulation are rhythmic, as are sleeping and waking. Rhythmical processes are not physical in nature or in man. They could be called half-spiritual. The physical, as thing, disappears in the rhythmical process. By remembering, man is transferred to his and to nature's rhythmical processes. He lives in his astral body. Indian yoga would completely evaporate in rhythmical experience. It would abandon the area of thinking the eye, and in inner experience, similar to memory, look into the world which lies behind what normal consciousness can know. Western spiritual life may not suppress the eye in order to gain knowledge. It must accompany the eye to spiritual perception. This can't happen if one pushes so hard from the sensitive to the rhythmical world that one only experiences in the rhythmical the half-spiritual nature of the physical. One must rather find that sphere of the spirit world which manifests itself in the rhythmical. Therefore, two things are possible. First, while experiencing the physical, in the rhythmical, confirm how this physical becomes half-spiritual. This is an older path, no longer to be trodden today. Second, experiencing the spirit world, which has as its sphere cosmic rhythms within and outside man, 
just as man has the earth and its physical beings and processes. To this spirit world belongs everything which happens through Michael in the present cosmic moment. A spirit such as Michael brings what would otherwise lie in the Luciferic region into purely human evolution, which is not influenced by Lucifer, in that he chooses the rhythmical world as his dwelling place. This can all be envisioned once man enters into imagination. Footnote. The author is referring here, I think, this is a translator's footnote, the author is referring here, I think, to the first of the three stages of initiation. One, imagination. Two, inspiration. Three, intuition. A footnote from the translator. Let me read that sentence again. This can all be envisioned once man enters into imagination. For the soul lives in rhythm with imagination, and Michael's world manifests itself in rhythm. Remembrance, memory is already within this world, but not yet in depth. Normal consciousness experiences nothing of this. By entering imagination, however, the world of subjective remembrance emerges at first from the rhythmical world. It passes at once to the primal images, Urbilder, living in the etheric, created by the divine spiritual world for the physical world. For one experiences the radiant cosmic pictures of the creation of worlds concealed in the ether, and the sun forces weaving in this ether, they do not merely radiate, they invoke cosmic primal images from the light. The sun appears as the cosmic painter of the universe. It is the cosmic counterpart of the impulses which paint representational thought pictures in man. From the Gertianum, January 1925, Guideline 165 Man lives as a thinking being in the earth's domain. However, he does not enter into commonality with it. As spirit being, he lives in such a way that he perceives what is physical, but he receives the forces for thinking from the, quote, spiritual earth, close quote, in the same way in which he experiences destiny as the result of previous earth lives. Number 166. What, in remembrance, memories, is experienced is already in the world where the physical becomes half-spiritual in rhythm and where such spirit processes take place as those which occur through Michael in the present cosmic moment. Number 167. Whoever learns to know thinking and remembering correctly understands how man as an earthly being lives within the earthly realm, but does not entirely submerge his being into this realm, but as an outer earthly being seeks his self-consciousness as the consummation of his I through commonality with the spiritual earth. Subsection 
entitled The Macrocosmic Nature of Man. At first, the cosmos reveals itself to man from the earthly and the outer earthly side, the world of the stars, translator, heavenly bodies. Man feels himself related to the earth and its forces. Life teaches him very clearly about this relationship. In contemporary times, however, he doesn't feel related to the stars in the same way. But this is the case only as long as he is not conscious of his etheric body. Grasping the etheric body in imaginations develops a feeling of belonging to the world of stars, just as one has such a feeling about the earth through consciousness of the physical body. The forces that place the etheric body in the world come from the periphery of the universe, while those for the physical body stream from the center of the earth. But together with the etheric forces which stream into the earth from the periphery of the cosmos come the cosmic impulses which act in the astral bodies of men. The ether is like a sea in which the astral forces swim, approaching the earth from all the diverse cosmic directions. In the present cosmic age, only the mineral and vegetable kingdoms are able to have a direct connection to the astral forces which stream to the earth on the waves of the ether, not, however, the animal kingdom or humanity. Spiritual vision shows that in the case of the animal kingdom, it is not the present astral forces which stream into the embryonic stage, but those which did so during the ancient moon period. In the vegetable kingdom, one sees how the wonderfully manifold forms are structured when the astral severs itself from the ether and acts on the plant world. With respect to the animal kingdom, one sees how the astrality that was active during the ancient moon period and was derived from the spiritual has been preserved and as such remains in the spirit world and does not enter the etheric world. The effectiveness of this astrality is mediated by the moon forces, which have also remained at the previous stage of the earth's evolution. In the animal kingdom, we therefore have the result of impulses which manifested themselves in a natural way in the earth's previous stage, whereas in the present cosmic age they have withdrawn to the spirit world, which actively streams through the earth. Spiritual vision observes that within the animal kingdom, in the penetration of the physical and etheric bodies by the astral body at present, only the astral forces preserved from the past are meaningful. 
Once the animal has its astral body, however, then the sun impulses enter actively into it. The sun forces cannot give the animal astrality. Once in the animal, however, they are necessarily active in its growth, nutrition, and so forth. For humanity it is different. It also receives, at first, its astrality from the preserved moon forces. But the sun forces contain astral impulses which remain ineffective for the animal kingdom but continue to affect human astrality in the same way as when the moon forces first imbued humanity with astrality. In the animal astral body one sees the moon world. In the human astral body one sees the harmonious concordance of the sun and moon worlds. It is due to this sun effect in the human astral body that man is able to absorb what streams spiritually from the earth for the development of his self-consciousness. Astrality streams forth from the periphery of the universe. It acts either as what presently streams forth or what streamed forth in the past and is preserved. However, everything which relates to the formation of the I as the vehicle of self-consciousness must stream out from the center of a star. Astrality acts from the periphery. What is relevant to the I acts from a center. The earth, as a heavenly body, gives impulse to the human eye from its center. Forces stream from the center of every star, heavenly body, from which the eye of some being is formed. This indicates the polarity between a star's center and the cosmic periphery. One sees from this description how the animal kingdom still exists today as a result of earlier earthly evolutionary forces, how it uses up the preserved astral forces, how it must, however, disappear once these forces are used up. On the other hand, with man, new astral forces are created from the sun, which enables him to continue his evolution into the future. Without being conscious of man's relationship to the stars as well as to the earth, it is not possible to understand the essence of humanity and what man receives from the earth for his self-consciousness also derives from the spirit world which acts within the earth. That the sun gives to man what his astrality needs derives from the activity which took place during the ancient sun period. The earth received there the capacity to develop humanity's eye impulses. It is the spiritual from that period which the earth preserved of the sun forces and which is preserved from dying out now 
through the present activity of the sun. The earth was once itself sun. It was spiritualized. In the present cosmic age, the sun acts from without. This continuously rejuvenates the aging spiritual forces from ancient times. For what continues to act without absorbing the forces of the present succumbs to the Luciferic. One can say that the man's feeling for his connection to the outer earthly cosmos is so muted in this cosmic epoch that he doesn't notice it within his consciousness. And it is not merely muted. It is drowned out by feeling connected to the earth. Because man must find his self-consciousness in the earth, he grew so attached to it at the beginning of the consciousness soul age that it acts much more strongly on him than is appropriate for the correct course of his soul life. He is to a certain extent benumbed by the impressions of the world of the senses. Because of this numbness he does not actualize the free thinking of which he is capable. The whole epoch from the middle of the nineteenth century on was such a benumbing through sense impressions. The great illusion of this age is that man took the overly strong life of the senses to be the correct one, the life of the senses which strove to extinguish the life in the outer earthly cosmos. The Aramonic powers were able to unfold their being within this benumbing. Lucifer was held back more by the sun forces than was Araman, who was able to call forth, especially in scientifically inclined people, the dangerous feeling that ideas are only applicable to sense impressions. Therefore, anthroposophy can find little understanding in those circles. One stands before the results of spiritual knowledge and tries to understand them with ideas. But these ideas do not grasp the spiritual because they are benumbed by aramonic knowledge through the senses. And thus one fears that he will succumb to blind belief in authority if he is open to the results of the spiritual seer's research. The outer earthly cosmos became ever darker for human consciousness during the second half of the nineteenth century. If man is again able to vivify the ideas within him, even when they are not supported by the world of the senses, then light will stream back to his gaze from the outer earthly cosmos. But this means recognizing Michael in his realm. <clears throat> Once the Michael festival in autumn becomes true and internal, then those who participate in the festival will experience the following as a light motif which will live in their consciousness. Idea-filled, the soul experiences spirit-light 
when the sense revelations only echo in man as remembrances. If man can experience this, then after the festival he will be able to submerge again in the right way into the sense world, and Araman will not be able to harm him. From the Gertianum, January 1925 Guideline 168 At the beginning of the consciousness-soul age, a dampening of the human feeling of connection with the outer earthly cosmos took place. In contrast, thereto, the feeling of connection to the earth by experiencing sense impressions was so strong, especially among scientifically inclined people, that a benumbing resulted. Number 169 Within this benumbing, the Aramanic powers work so dangerously that man lives in the illusion that this strong benumbing experience is the correct one and constitutes real evolutionary progress. Number 170 Man must find the strength to enlighten his world of ideas and experience them as such, also when they are not supported by the benumbed sense world. In this experience of the independently enlightened world of ideas, the feeling of connection to the outer earthly cosmos will awaken. The basis for Michael festivals will then exist. Subsection Entitled The Sensing and Thinking Organization of Humanity in Relation to the World When man observes his own humanity using imaginative cognition, he initially eliminates his sensing system from this vision. For his self-observation, he becomes a being without this system. He doesn't cease to have images before his mind, which were previously conveyed by the sense organs, but he does cease to feel connected to the physical world through these organs. This direct observation is a proof that man, beyond sense perception, is also connected to the natural world in another way, not dependent upon the senses. It is a connection with the spirit which is incorporated in the natural outer world. In this kind of vision, the physical world falls away from the viewer. It is the earthly which falls away. Man feels the earth as no longer a part of him. One could assume that self-consciousness is thus obliterated, something which seems to follow from the previous considerations. That self-consciousness is a result of man's connection to the earth. But that is not the case. What he acquired through earthly means remains with him even when he divests himself of it after acquiring it through active conscious cognition. This spiritual imaginative vision 
reveals that man has not actually bound himself to the sensing system intensively. It is not he who lives in this sensing system, but the environment which has built itself with its essence into the sense organization of man. And the imaginatively seen person, therefore, also considers the sensing organization as a part of the outer world. A part of the outer world which, however, is closer to him than the natural environment, but is nevertheless outer world. It differs from the ordinary outer world only in that man can only immerse himself in the latter through knowledge obtained by sense observation. He does, however, immerse himself in this world. The sense organization is outer world, but man reaches into this outer world with his spirit-soul essence, which he brings with him from the spirit world when he enters into earthly existence. Except for the fact that the human being fills his sensing organization with his spirit-soul essence, this organization is part of the outer world, just as the plant world which surrounds him is. The I, E-Y-E, after all, belongs to the world, not to the person, just as the rose which he perceives belongs to the world and not to him. In the age of cosmic evolution, which man has just passed through, thinkers appeared who said that colors, tones, and sensations of warmth are not in the world, but in people. The, quote, color red, close quote, they say, is not outside in the environment, but is only the effect on man of something unknown. But the truth is just the opposite of this opinion. It is not color and the I, E-Y-E, which belong to the human being, but the I, along with color, which belong to the world. During his earth life, man does not let earthly surroundings stream into him. Rather, he grows outward into this outer world between birth and death. It is significant that at the end of the dark age, in which man gazed out at the world without an inkling of the light of the spirit, the correct concept of man's relation to his environment was exactly the opposite of what is true. When, by means of imaginative cognition, man has shed the environment in which he lives with his senses, another organization enters his experience, of which thinking is a function, as picture perception is a function of the senses. And now man knows that he is connected to the cosmic stellar environment through his thinking organization, just as he was previously connected to the earthly environment through the senses. He realizes that he is a cosmic being. His thoughts are no longer shadowy images. They are saturated with reality, as are those obtained by sense perception. If he then advances to inspiration, he becomes aware 
that this world which is supported by his thinking organization can also be shed, as was the earthly one. He realizes that by this thinking organization he doesn't belong to his own being either, but to the world. He realizes how the cosmic thoughts reverberate in his own thinking organization. And he becomes aware that he does not think by taking in images from the world, but by growing out into the cosmic thoughts with his thinking organization. Both with respect to his sense organization as well as his thinking system, man is world. The world builds itself within him. Neither in sense perception nor in thinking is he himself, but he is world content. Into his thinking organization man extends the spirit soul of his being, which belongs neither to the earthly nor to the stellar world, but is of a purely spiritual nature and continues in the human being from earth life to earth life. This spirit-soul nature is accessible only to inspiration. Thus, through his inspiration, man steps out of his earthly cosmic organization in order to stand before himself as a purely spirit-soul being. In this pure spirit-soul existence, man meets the expression of his destiny. With the sense organization, man lives in his physical body, with the thinking organization in his etheric body. After shedding both organizations by means of experienced cognition, he is in his astral body. Every time the human being sheds something from his acquired being, on the one hand, although his soul content becomes poorer, on the other hand, at the same time, it becomes richer. Although after shedding the physical body, the beauty of the plant kingdom perceptible to his senses has paled, in its stead the world of elementary beings who live in the plant kingdom appear before his soul. Because this is the case, an ascetic mood does not dominate the person with real spiritual knowledge in respect to what the senses perceive. In spiritual experience he retains the need to perceive the spiritually experienced again through sense perception. And as the complete man strives to experience reality as a whole, sense perception awakens the desire for the opposite pole, the world of elementary beings. Similarly, the vision of the elementary beings again awakens the desire for the content of sense perception. In a full human life, the spirit has need for the senses and the senses for the spirit. Spiritual existence would be empty if there were no memory of the experience of sense-experience. Sense-experience would be in darkness if the force of spiritual light did not enter into it, 
albeit subconsciously at first. Therefore, when the person has become sufficiently mature to experience Michael's activity and impoverishment of the soul in respect to experiencing nature does not occur, rather the contrary, enrichment, and his feelings do not tend to disengage from sense experiences, but a joyful disposition exists to absorb the wonders of the world of the senses. From the Gertianum, February 1925 Guideline number 171 The human sense organization does not belong to the being of man. Rather is it incorporated into him from the environment during his earth life. The perceiving I-E-Y-E is spatially located in man, but essentially it is in the world. And man reaches with his spirit soul into what the world experiences in him through his senses. And he does not take in the physical environment during his earthly life, but grows into it with his spirit-soul being. Number 172. It is similar with the thinking organization. Man grows by means of it into the stellar world. He recognizes himself as stellar world. He lives and moves within cosmic thoughts when he has shed the sensing organization in experienced cognition. Number 173 After shedding both the earthly and the stellar worlds, man stands before himself as a spirit-soul being, for he is no longer world, but human in the true sense of the word. And to be conscious of what he experiences here is called self-knowledge, as being conscious in the sensing and thinking organization is called world-knowledge. And that's the end of this section, which is section uh, 12 of the reading. I'm on page 103 of the e-book, which I will continue in the next section, possibly the last. I will be beginning with the, the subsection entitled Memory and Conscience.